the guys from Ping, they've kind of shown me how much the equipment matters. I just love that I can hit any shot I kind of want. We're going to be able to tell some fun stories about what goes on here to help golfers play better golf. Welcome back to the Ping Proving Grounds podcast. I am Shane Bacon. That is Marty Jertz. And Marty, we got a great guest, and we also have kind of a live experience here at the PGA Show. Yeah, this is fun. You get all the uh, the sounds, the feels, the bright lights, the PGA Show. We're here with John K. Solheim. Good to be here. Yeah. I've been a bit avid listener, and I'm happy to actually be on the show now. Yeah, you're on the other end today, yeah, John K. Yeah, so. a lot of pressure. Yeah. John, I asked you this question to kick it off. Uh, are you a, have you have you frequented podcast guests a lot, or is this one of your this, first this ones? This is my first podcast. Wow. You feeling yeah. nervous or are you excited about it? I guess a little. I'm usually not nervous about a camera, but it's a pretty good podcast so i got a lot to keep, live up keep to keep it elevated yeah there's been some good talent on here and well we wanted to get into kind of your journey to where you're at right now i mean there was a lot of pressure i'm sure in that world as well <laughs> at what age did you start to get the sense that maybe you'd want to get in the family business yeah you talk talk about pressure i would say there was pressure when i was young that everyone assumed i was a good golfer so, and I would say I did not handle that pressure very well on the golf course. Were, were, you, were, you, a, were you a good player when you were younger? Uh, like better than average, but okay. nothing spectacular. So like pretty good junior, but like nothing spectacular. Um, and then I would say, yeah, as I started interning at Ping, kind of fell in love with the business, was like, this is what I want to do. And then it was the weird experience to me was right out of college when I started working there. You know, having the Solheim last name, I'm working with people who had been there for 20 years, and they're instantly coming to me asking me what they're supposed to do. You're like, I'll ask you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, whoa, you've got all this experience. I'm the new guy here. Uh, so there, I guess I never saw it as pressure at that point, but it was, uh, I guess, enlightening to me just how it actually worked like that. John K., what have, uh, talk us through your journey, like, like maybe some of the projects or departments you worked on as both an intern and then when you started going on full time how like, long is the podcast oh, oh yeah we got we got we got plenty of time but a little, little the, high level the journey quick rundown so like really cool when i was in high school and college i'd come in and work the summers got to work like side by side with karsten my grandpa yeah uh, like multiple summers he always had like an assistant he was a lot to work for so his assistants would get a summer assignment. They'd get a breather. I'd come in, and by the end of the summer, I was wiped out. He was hard to keep up with. He always had something to go on the go. Got to travel with him, but really learned a ton just from him and his attention to detail and just like what was important, what wasn't important in business and in golf club development. So that kind of fueled the fire of, hey, I love golf club design. I want to be in the golf business. Uh, so went to school, got a mechanical engineering degree, and then got hired onto Ping right out of school. Was like a putter designer at first, so learned how to do CAD and was designing putters. Yeah. If you go, if you know Ping, like IsoPure putters was my first project, so it was our first insert putter. Yeah. So it was pretty exciting to be involved with that, and then to me, just kind of magical designing a product in you know the time it takes. It takes you know a year or whatever. And then actually we came to the show and launched it. Really? And just I just remember being so giddy. I'm not quite as giddy at the show anymore, but I've, just back then on how exciting it was to launch this new series of insert putters. So I had a kind of a career in engineering, continued to design putters. And it wasn't that long. I, I got an MBA during like my first five years of work while I was working. And then I became the VP of engineering, ran engineering for 10 years. 
And then I got assigned to run our Japan office, Ping Golf Japan. Went there for about four years, ran that, came back, and then I would call that was like the transition time. Uh, Doug Hawken was the president before me. He was kind of what at his sunset of his career, and he retired. I took over in 2017, um, became the CEO. I think in 22, maybe it was the beginning of 23. To be honest, I don't know what the difference at Ping is between president and CEO, but now I have both titles, and that's what I'm enjoying doing right now. I wanted to ask about the experience in Japan. First of all, where'd you live? Where were you based out of? So I was in Tokyo. Uh, Azabu Juban was where my apartment okay. was. Our offices were kind of on the northwest side of Tokyo, so I had like a 50-minute train commute, 45-minute to two-hour car drive, depending on traffic, uh, to work. So, I, yeah, I was right in the heart of Tokyo. It was an awesome experience. Did you speak Japanese? I mean, or, no, did, I got left, the, you... I got Rosetta Stone before did I did. you really? Did, yeah. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> that was back, like, when you bought disc, right? Yeah, on yeah, software. yeah. You listened and, to it on your disc, man. Yeah, and then I did have a tutor. Like, I, w I stuck with it, so once a week, I'd have the tutor come over. I would say my, what I learned is I thought like a, after a year into it, it would start to get easy and snowball. I got a year into it and I would say did pretty well for that year and then just got to a point where I was like, it's just getting harder and harder. So I remember the conversation with my Japanese tutor. I'm like, no new stuff. I just, you've taught me a lot. I just want to get good at what I know. And I've kind of realized I've hit my peak and I just want to get better at that. So I stuck with it the whole time I was there. But kind of after a while, I was like, I'm not going to be able to write it. I'm, I can read the, the alphabets they okay. have, but I can't read the kanji. I, I, I knew maybe 100 symbols at the time when I was there. but So I can get by. If you don't speak Japanese, I can make it sound like I do speak Japanese. And I can tell the taxi cab and order food and all that. But we get in a business setting or whatever, and I'm catching 20% of it or something you. like that. John K, tell us a little bit about like what, what you learned in your time in Japan, the business side, and then just helping grow our brand. Because when you went over there, you know, our market share is nothing close to what it is today. And yeah. uh, what were some of the big changes you make and, and things you learned on the business side there? So I learned a ton. I would say like our market share was under 1% when I got there. We had, we had gone through, a, we had distributors there. We had multiple distributors. I would say they, none of them were doing great. They In the heyday of the 80s, they, we did very well in Japan. And then just by not investing in that marketplace, we had lost a lot of market share. So it was about five years before I went there, we started our own company there and just hadn't really taken off. I would say the observations I had is we, we were doing a lot of the same as what our Japanese competitors were doing. And, I'm, and I remember talking to the team, I'm like, but we're not a Japanese company. Like, yeah. The consumer can see we're we're faking it. This, yeah. this is not who we really are. And I'm like, we've got the best players in the world playing our clubs. We have great market share in the U.S. and Europe. We just need to leverage that, and we and we need to tell we're a U.S. company. Our ads need to be in Japanese. They need to be able to understand it and everything. So I would say we just changed our focus. So like the first point where we had success, I think it was back. Uh, was a G10 driver, you could correct me if I'm wrong, where we, we went to the heavier head, we went to the yeah. counterbalance shaft yeah. and the heavier head. Not what the Japanese consumer wanted to hear. They were all about total weight, being yeah, super light. light. light, light. Yep. And I said, you know what, we're gonna double down on it, we're gonna market heavy head. So we went omui head, which means heavy head, big huge kanji, 
And that's right when we started to get traction. We was like, this is what we are. We do it for performance reasons. And we started to gain traction and we, we've been gaining market share there ever since. Yeah, that's a cool story. So, so, so staying more authentic to our brand, yeah, telling yeah. the physics side. So and, and what you, took you a see risk. in the US here at the PGA show is, is what you see in Japan. It, yeah. It's the same thing, maybe a little different, but the core is the same. Yeah, yeah. Another follow-up question for you, John Kay, is how do you, kind of along that vein, uh, how do you kind of stay uh, authentic to like our culture and our heritage while not letting that hold us back from innovating or thinking differently? You know? Yeah, um, so that's How a, do you do that in your leadership role? Definitely. I think you do a great job a, with that. A, t- a tough balance. <laughs> like I saw like when I first became president and I think I was here and everyone, you know, what's on your agenda, what you're going to do? And I'm like, well, the biggest thing is to not screw up. And, you know, we've yeah. got a great company here. We've had, you know, at the time, 55 years, 60 years of success. Like, let's not mess that up. So we got a lot of good things going. With that said, we had had some bad years. We had tough years where I think we just got a little slow on whether it's adjusting to the industry, like where, you know, where we're doing retail at, um, all sorts of things. We were late with uh, metal woods and, and titanium and stuff like that. So, yeah. So I would say it's been a balance of like hanging on to our heritage and our heritage has always been about performance and better performing product and then leveraging that to make us better and to make us change and embracing change. So I would say we we had kind of gotten very just uh, content with where we were and not not falling for that contentment and always challenging to do more. So without breaking the whole machine in the process. Yeah, exactly. You come into this position, you work, as you said, you interned for your granddad. Do you look at yourself in terms of a leader more like your dad or more like your granddad and why? <laughs> a little bit of both, but ne- neither of them are what okay. um, So like, so I would say it's like just as a company ages or whatever, like the next generation of management is always a little different. So Karsten definitely was that entrepreneur, you know, risk taker, did everything. Like I remember coming to the engineering department and being like, okay, I'm going to design putters. And, and they're like, well, Karsten's on vacation, so we're not really doing anything. He, he was never on vacation. He was traveling in Europe or whatever. And they're like, yeah, we're waiting for him to get back. And I'm like, really? Like, there's nothing to worry. It's like, well, it, it, I might be exaggerating a little bit, but it was very much like, hey, we need to wait for him to give us next direction on what to do. Right. And then I think my dad came in, loosened that up. What my dad, I think, is really good at is like the super fine points of the design like i was so fr- cuz i was always like we've got this great design and he would always find 10 things wrong with okay. it yeah and i'd be all upset and then we'd do what he said and then it's better and i'm like so it took me like 10 years to realize that's actually a pretty good management skill the the strength of saying no and making people go back to the board so i would say i'm i'm more of an enabler like a team builder set the vision and get you know the guys like Marty get the team on the bus, really pushing them and leveraging all their talents. Okay. Um, and I, letting, I, I like, feel like smart, I'm a pr- I'm a pretty smart guy stuff, myself, yeah. but I realize if I get more smart people with me, we can do more than what I saw when it was just Karsten. Because I, I guess I'm not Karsten, so I, you know, like I need that big strong team. And we're trying to do more. We got way more irons than we used to have. We got more woods, technology. We, we in 
we take in so much technology and information with all the player testing we do. We've got a lot of data to process on a daily basis. Not to mention all the apps that Marty builds. Uh, all the apps, yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of software now too. Software is yeah. awesome. Software is. Yeah. We've software's heard a lot of compliments to the PGA yeah. show about the software. Yeah, John K. One thing I've really liked about your leadership style has been super ins inspirational to the employees is how hands-on you've been. You know, you were a designer, then you were VP yeah. engineering, then you were. I remember you did, took a, uh, did a project engineer. You jumped in there and were doing the tactical work, running A <laughs> and T. During COVID, we're all helping build clubs. You're yeah. down there doing loft and lie. I wasn't doing that. I got to admit that. <laughs> you, 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 so you get your hands dirty. Um, do you think that's come natural to you, or are you making like a conscious effort? Like, you know, let me, um, let me go ahead and get my hands dirty. So I get there are times where I'm like, yeah, I got to get my hands dirty. I would say it is kind of just a natural thing. Like when COVID hit and we had, we had, you know, more golf clubs on order than we could build. That one, I was like, I remember talking to our uh, CFO, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to go down and start helping build them. I think everybody can do that. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, well, like a lot of these people, they started in production. They can just, we can go back and work in production. Right. And I'm like, and for, to be honest, those engineers, I think they'd get a lot out of building a club and stuff. So I really pushed for that. And I was like, well, I'm not going to ask people to do it if I'm not willing to do it myself. And I would say the people go to, they, they love doing it. You interact with the people. Yeah. I think there's something about touching that product and like going, this, this putter is going to have a putt to win a club championship someday. Or just think yes. about the customer it's going to yeah. and how you're going to make their day. So, yeah, I definitely like to be involved in, in getting my hands dirty, so to speak. And to me, it's very rewarding what we do, building oh, yeah. golf clubs yeah. and stuff. So I never feel like it's like just getting dirty to, for the sake of getting dirty. Every role we have at the company is providing value. So it's exciting to me to go provide value in, in whatever role it is. John Kay, we talked about the PGA show a little bit. You talked about kind of the first time you saw your putter at the show. What is it like coming here every year, the development of it, and not just the development of the show, but the involvement in ping at the PGA, tour, PGA show over the years? Yeah, so to me, it is like right when we like to launch products. So it's great timing for that. I'd like to thank all the PGA pros. Our reps have already hit them with our new product and, and taking their orders or whatever. So we're not writing a ton of orders here, but it is great to see the whole industry. Uh, you know, golf's been on quite a run as of late. So it's nice to be, you know, within a healthy industry, everybody's doing well. We see a lot of great faces, a lot of friends, a lot of people I wouldn't normally see run into at the show. So it, it's great for a lot of things. Uh, is it a young person's show these days, or do you feel like you still have the energy to kind of run through it <laughs> at the same clip maybe you had a decade ago? Um, it's definitely tiring. I would say, for whatever reason, my back has gotten better with age. Okay, okay. I, my back used to kill me at this show. Interesting, interesting. And whatever, I'm, we're kind of getting towards the end of the day here, and I'm still feeling pretty good. Okay, so, yeah. I don't know. It's a, t I, w I would uh, think anyone could do it, but it is taxing to my... We had a little meeting ahead of time, and I thanked everybody for their efforts because everyone's going to be tired when they're getting on that plane to go home. And so it's a lot of work to be it, here. You know what? I, I, I compare this a lot, and it's probably a bad comparison, but the PGA show is almost mini Vegas. Everybody shows up, and they're excited, mm. and, you know, everybody's – they got their new outfits, and they're so excited to get here. And then <laughs> you go to the airport on Friday afternoon, yeah. and you're kind of droopy-eyed. Everybody looks yeah. a little bit more tired. Yeah. yeah, you get a lot of people. They're here. It's go, go, go. I like to kind of turn it down early or whatever because okay. coming west coast to east coast, the time change, gonna I'm like, throw you off anyway. I got to make sure I get my sleep or otherwise I'm going to be a train wreck and I'm going to be in front of a camera. So <laughs> it's a key part of it. John K., how has the PGA show changed since you first started coming here? 
Whew, that's a good question. I would actually say it's more more focused on, on what the PGA show is for. So I would say when I first started coming, there were way more gigantic screens, loud stuff, multi-story, just a lot of fluff and hocus pocus type stuff. <laughs> um, which is like who could do bigger and better booths gotcha. or whatever. Yeah. I feel like the the big golf equipment brands have all kind of scaled back from that. And it's a good mix of you got the those brands as well as you've got all the call it apparel, yeah. all the other stuff. So as you're a PGA pro, you can really come here and get, you know, what can you stock in your pro shop that's unique to you yeah. that your members are going to like. So to me, I think it, it's gotten a little more balanced on what we're here for the PGA member and what they're going to have in their pro shop. Yeah. And how do we make the show speak to that? Yeah. yeah. Do you still walk the floor? If I get a time to, okay. that's the one yeah. thing I kind of want to do. A lot of times I don't even have time to do it, but, and I want to go for the little knickknack stuff. I'm, I see, I'm the same way. I the, see all the other stuff yeah, all the time. I want to yeah. see what's the, uh, what's like, the unique thing that I could say, oh, I saw that at the show. It's, it's funny, Marty, I like the, I like going and checking out the head cover companies. Oh, you know, they're all, yeah. they always have so many cool head covers yeah. over that way, yeah. you know? Yeah. Inventor's Corner. Inventor's you know, Corner. Some, someone poured their last two years of their yeah. life into making some little training aid and it's, some of them are good. I, I picked up some uh, some cool little training aids yeah. over there over the years. I've got an easy one for you, John Kay. What's your uh, favorite ping club of all time? <laughs> you can say the putter you built. That's fine. The, I think that's an easy way out of this. Yeah, those early isopure putters. I would say my favorite ping club of all time. Hmm. I, how about G430 Max 10K driver? See, there you go. <laughs> oh, there we go. Transitioning into the new stuff. Yeah. I'm going to say I, this. That might be my favorite pin club of all time. I've had it for a couple months now, and I'm getting older, so everything had slowed down. So it was very nice to see ball speed back up, yep. distance up substantially, and just all hitting all the fairways I want. So to me, I guess I've never had a big tie to an old product. Okay. I've, I've been the guy who kind of easily switches a lot of times i've been in the driver and i'm like i can't hit anything better but i'm gonna try it i put it in the bag and i'm like fall in love with it sure enough i like g425 i didn't think i could hit it better and i got the g430 max and i'm like that one's for me and interesting like i try i wanted to play the g430 lst and i i'm like i just it doesn't work as good for me so yeah. i went with the max and i thought i couldn't hit it any better and now i'm in the max 10k, 10K and loving it, it. Um, I've, I've had some putters, like I, as a junior, I putted with a B63 a lot. Um, my dad designed that putter, so I would say like sentimental value. If I could find that old putter that I spent years with, I bet it's at my dad's house. That would be something I'd be like, okay, this, this is, is, this is one. one that now I look at it though, it's all way heel shafted. And I'm like, that was a lot that I was putting with down there. But, but for back in the, I made a lot of putts. All my memories from back then are good memories. And, that's the and they, they made, made a lot of putts. In the 10K from a fitting standpoint, you've gone a little bit longer in length because the driver's so I did. Forgiving. And from listening to one of these podcasts, I was uh, I was like, you See, know what? I gotta I gotta I gotta Shane. try the length. <laughs> so I like literally came in the next day. Lou Beebe, who like is my fitter, I'm like, hey, we gotta try it. And I actually went longer and I went a half inch longer and settled on a quarter inch longer. Yeah. yeah. Um, Beautiful. And loving it. Because I got a little more club head speed and ball still going in the fairway. 
and it's a big deal. It, one club in on every hole is a big deal. It's a game changer. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean I, Marty probably knows the answer to this, but yeah. I mean, you're probably saving three, four, five strokes around if you just simply had one shorter club in every oh, shot. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's uh, that is huge um, in terms of that compound interest when you get that ball further down the fairway. Yeah, and it's fun to have all the fun fitting tools to be able to help the everyday golfer kind of make those decisions. Now, John K, you've been influential in kind of having us rethink our iron strategy and having a, like a very pure blade iron, right? I think we launched the blueprint iron. Tour players were kind of asking us for something like that. We kind of had to uh, really spend a lot of time diving in with the tour players. Now those irons have been very good for the low single digit handicappers like, you, like yourself, uh, avid golfers. Um, tell us a little bit about you know your thoughts on Blueprint S, Blueprint T, and just our whole like better player iron family right now. Yeah, so to me, I think we've made a lot of improvement there. I think um, we've got an awareness issue out in the field or whatever, because I, I, I play blueprints and I, you know, I'll have a caddy or people I'm playing with and they're like, well, I didn't know Ping made a blade. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. we've been doing it for a while That's now. That's right, yeah. Um, but to me, you know, one, it's listening to the tour player. And then, you know, I grew up, you know, playing bigger irons and stuff like that. and. I think it was more just out of a, like I wanted to test it myself. So the original blueprints, I, I just had a set made up, went out and played like back-to-back -back rounds. And I'm like a scratch golfer, I don't shoot under par a whole lot, but I think I had back-to-back -back under par rounds and I'm just like, this is a, a game changer for me. Was it like a workability thing? Was it just comfort with the look of the iron? What do you feel like it was? Um, so my game, my miss is left. And okay. on an iron, like a, a big forgiving iron, it's left and long. Okay. So you kind of close the face down, and all of a sudden you're you're kind of in the wrong zip code. Yeah. And if you go look at a lot of golf courses, you look what's left and long. Not good. A lot of times there's no golf course. <laughs> no, no. There's nasty bunkers. Especially in Arizona. Yeah. So, so to me, the miss with the blueprint is short and straight. Okay. So to me, and I, you know, unless there's a bunker right in front of the green or whatever, it's usually a pretty easy chip from right on the front of the green. So to me, that's what I just started like looking at like my Arcos data and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is better. My location to pin is closer. Um, so I became a believer, and then that got me, you know, going. Well, now I understand why the tour players are doing this because when you do, you know, kind of hit a pretty small space on the face, like MOI definitely has a lot of value. But if you if control those misses, and if the smaller head help gives you better misses, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. So. Now I'm super excited with Blueprint T and Blueprint S because now we've got two compact irons, one with the S with a little higher MOI, and it's crazy how many tour players, non-ping staffers and ping staffers are quickly gravitating to that. So I, I'm really excited, and I think that that one has a lot of place in the marketplace. I think yeah. a lot of golfers are going to yeah. benefit from the Blueprint S. Yeah, or doing mix sets. We see a lot of that on tour, yeah. like yeah. Corey Connors playing Blueprint S, four and five iron, then going to the T. And it's fun now to have that iron and the I-230 all with the same lofts Yeah. and design them to be blended because it's such a big deal. You can either yeah. play them all the way down or blend them, which is super fun. So yeah, yeah I've never, I've had the same uh, feedback, John K. Uh, you know, I think a couple of accounts came by and I said, like, when are you guys gonna stop making those boxy irons? And I show them the blueprints. Yeah. They're like, whoa. Yeah. It's like, we yeah, did it actually. Yes, <laughs> here we for go. A few years. Yeah. I, I needed to ask, what is in the bag? What does your bag look like right now? 
So I've got the Max 10K driver. I've got our LST three wood, okay. which is awesome. Um, so I play an I-530 four iron. Okay. Have we even? That's not out yet, is it? No, but it's no. Coming. But I've it's had coming. it for a while. That club is awesome. You somehow you know somebody at Ping that can get yeah, it pretty early. Um, so that club's yeah, that club's super flexible. I hit it off the tee a lot okay. now. And then I've got so another four iron, four iron through. This is like sawhead. Through a exactly. Of blueprint tee. Okay. And then I've got S159 wedges. I've got a 50. So I get pretty precise, bent to 49. Okay. And then I've got a 54 at 54 and a 58 bent to 59. Okay. And then a answer 4K putter. I didn't know it had a name, and then I just found out we call it answer 4K. Apparently, because my middle name with the K, so it's an answer head. It's a PLD putter with an answer four hosel. So I'm a little more open closed. Okay. So went in and did the whole PLD fitting and. Beautiful. That was a cool thing too, because I'm yeah. more used to seeing like the numbers from TrackMan and Foresight on the launch monitor with a driver, yeah. but not used to seeing numbers with a putter. And yeah. when I did that PLD fitting experience, I'm like, oh, there's like numbers that show this yeah. putter's better for me and I'm hitting it more consistent. So that's all the confidence I need to, to get it out on the green and make some putts. Yeah, I mean, putter fitting, you gotta fall in love with the look of it, but then layer on the science. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. the marriage of art and science. So that I-ping, you know, just that incentive to, you know, try to maximize someone's repeatability uh, is is super cool that we're doing in there. Now, what about your lob wedge? What grind do you have uh, on your long lob so wedge? So I do have a custom grind there. So it's the standard sole, and then it's got the dish, like the I2 grind ah, yeah. on that. And that gives me, it gives me what I like for a full shot, um, ground impact wise, in that bunker. And full disclosure, weak part of my game is my short game. The bunker, I go back to the old I2 days when I yep. was a kid and I didn't have a short game issue. And it gives me <laughs> that same feel in the bunker when I yeah, hit it right. Yeah, with the dish. With the dish, just yeah. that nice crisp comes out yeah. and has some spin on it. So that's been a good combo for me. Yeah, nice. John K, how much, how much golf are you playing right now? Do you get to play once a week? <laughs> Do you get to play much? I mean, you know, I feel yeah. like people within the golf industry either play a lot or they don't play much at all, you know? So I, I play way more. My kids have gotten a little older. Okay. So I don't have as much commitments on the weekends and stuff. Are they into it at all? Uh, I've got one pretty into it. He okay. goes to school at St. Andrews, gets out on oh, there wow. quite a bit. Um, he was just at home for Christmas and stuff, and we got some golf in together. Uh, my youngest son plays a little bit, and then my girls, they do other sports. Um, so, But I, I would say I play once to twice a week. Um, so I get a fair amount of golf in. There, but I'll, sometimes I'll go three weeks without playing, but then I'll make, like, I'm playing twice this week or whatever, and then I think it twice the next week. I already got it all scheduled, so I got, got it laid, laid out on yeah, the schedule. It's, it's golf season in Phoenix, so there's there's a decent amount of golf coming up. If you're going to play, play now. Marty, what are you a week? I've never really asked you this. How often are you playing 18 oh, holes man. of golf? I feel I'm like you're kind more of a, a practicer. practicer. I'm a practicer, and then I'll go play, at, like, I'm some people at my course they're like i never see you I'm, well i go out at dark and i play like four or five holes okay. i hit a bunch of tee shots and i'm out of there I'm but it's, kinda, it's all I'm work sleeper. are you playing do you play much like is there much casual golf in your life not a ton i'm okay. not turn i just prep for the tournaments okay. and, then, and then occasionally I, i'm a i'm a sundowner okay i go out at sundown that's where i go i'm kind of because i get that at the golf course too oh we never see you and i'm like well i play early or i play yeah, late. I mean, yeah. earlier late. And, but i would not say here at lunch. i'm no. not a practicer <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because those premium tea times, I'm like, well, that takes up your whole day. Yeah, yeah, I like gotta, I gotta yeah. get two things in of the day or whatever. 
but I don't practice a ton. I'm fortunate enough we do a lot of like player testing at okay. Ping, so I you know make myself available to that. So that'll get me hitting balls not every day, but twice a week or whatever at work. So that gets me swinging, and then you know once a week or maybe twice a week out on the golf course, but early or late. When your son decided to go to St. Andrews, how excited, not just as a dad, but as a golfer, were you that you got to potentially go over there, you know, once or twice a year? <laughs> I, play yeah, a I love you. So we went and visited him in September for the first time. And my wife plays a little bit of golf, but not much. So she's like, well, what are we going to do when we're in St. Andrews? And I looked at her like. You do the, one thing yeah, in St. Andrews. We're going to see our son and we're going to play golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, she did not get that. And then I'm like, we, and then like, we had a trip to Mexico and she's like, well, where we, do you want to play golf in Mexico? I'm like. I don't need to. That's not St. Andrews. No, no, like we could good. go to the beach. We could do those sort of things. So yeah, I was excited. We had a, we played Kings Barn in the old course the last time we were there. Uh, we played in pouring rain and wind at the old course. So I was like under par on the way out, downwind, and you couldn't even oh, count them yeah. all yeah, yeah, back yeah. in. It oh, was yeah. uh, but created great memories. Yeah, it yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah, so cool. John Kay, what are you doing outside of work these days? I remember, you know, before you moved to Japan, you were doing triathlons. I'd come into work, yeah. Shane, and John Kay would have already ridden his bike 60 <laughs> oh, miles, really? you know, and I'm like, oh boy, okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, I those didn't feel too good the, about myself. Those were the days. <laughs> I still would say I've got like the workout bug. I would say it's gotten a little bit more like golf focus okay. on trying to do things to maintain the golf swing. If anything, speed it up a little bit. Still get some, the cardio in, but haven't. My knees don't love running anymore, so I kind of had to slow that down because I'm like, I, I don't want to be the have knee issues. So, yeah. um, I like so golf. I would say is a big like spare time thing. Still got one kid at home, so I'm doing my part to shuttle him back and forth to his uh, practices yep. and whatever pickups or take him to school. So that sort of stuff, and yeah, just enjoying some family time and yeah playing golf and outside a, lot, of, a lot of work outside of this podcast obviously which i know you consume a lot you're a podcast listener i'm, I'm guessing uh, and you're a book reader are you uh, a little bit focus on anything right bit. now you're into yeah just finished the elon musk book how was it uh it was good it was good to me i uh it was actually my pastor at church that recommended it okay. to me and i was like oh, okay i'll read it and i got done with it i'm like okay i read it but I don't think I want to do all the stuff. He's like, no, it's not like the example of what to do. Right. It's like all the stuff you could do at what cost. So to me, it was pretty powerful because like he, you know, puts it in nonstop, but also kind of like level setting of that there could be a too much or gotcha, whatever gotcha, at what gotcha, cost. Yeah, gotcha. yeah. So, but I thought it was a great read. Super interesting because we're like living through it right now. Yep. And we're still like in the middle of Tesla and SpaceX yeah, and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the book's already out, but it's not finished. So that was interesting. Um, and then I'll just, uh, like, I'll listen to podcasts that people send to me. I do listen to, like, some Joe Rogan podcasts okay. here and there. Um, just got some interesting stuff on there. And It's always kind of guest-dependent, right? It's like, you know, yeah, I always yeah, feel like yeah. those, the mass of podcasts, you know, you kind of are scrolling through, and it's like, okay, yeah. I want to hear what this yeah, person yeah, is. Yeah, sure. This podcast is great. Like, I, I love listening to this one. and taking a bunch of stuff here like by the chipping I've, I've become a much better chipper listening after to this joe mayo joe was on mayo. that's right thank you finally Victor did Hoblin. the math in my head of <laughs> i need that yep. negative angle of attack totally. i've been that's trying right. to sweep it and the ground's just getting in the way and now i'm like the ground's not in the yeah. way anymore so 
Yeah, that, La that's been very helpful. Last night he wore a shirt. He had a jacket. And he unzipped it. He had a spin loft. He's like, where are you going to point the, the spin loft? You know. So this is open forum? Definitely on brand for Joe right there. You know? I'm going to make a shirt for the open exactly. forum and get dialed. Uh, John K., we really appreciate you doing this and appreciate the time. appreciate everything you do uh, at Ping and with the brand. It's been very cool to see the recent developments. I mean, just in terms of the irons as you talked about. The new wedges are so great. The driver's awesome. So. Thanks for the time and thanks for everything you do. Yeah, thanks for having me. Ping's on a great path. We've got great product this week we're introducing, and then the future looks very bright. we got a great pipeline. we got great people working on products, so stay tuned. The boss man, John Kay, this right. is the Ping Proving Grounds podcast.